Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From roommates to co-hosts. This is the Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of The Backjack. Brendan and Stefan here as always. we got a great episode for you. We're going to dive into the whirling changes that are continuing with the COVID protocols and players just seemingly going into it every single day. We're going to talk about the Rangers and Islanders as always, a little bit about Vegas and the Leonard uh, return to the island. And we also are going to be joined by Owen Kreps of the uh, Hockey Now Network covers the Vegas Golden Knights there as well later on in the show. So how you doing today, buddy? I know you're a little bit under the weather. You're battling the vid. Yeah, I got the vid. You know, it's unfortunate. I am thankful I'm vaccinated because I don't want to know what it would be like if I wasn't. Right now, just pretty much a bad cold. So I'm being a little bit of a baby about it. But I mean, yeah, it, it's not fun. It's never fun. And uh, but yeah, I'm doing I'm doing all right. No, it's better than doing terrible, right? I mean, I know that we spoke. You said you're feeling more like it's just a bad cold. So I yeah. guess it could be a lot worse. So could be thankful about that. But, you know, the the symptoms have been mild, luckily, for at least from what we're reading from the majority of players who are, you know, going into the protocol. And there's been a couple of, of people pushing back, mainly Hellebuck and Steve Eiserman on the continued tests and I mean, it's a, it's the place that we should start, right? I, we're talking about the NHL, so we'll dive into it. Around the Boards is brought to you by Pure Hockey. Uh, so if you're talking about the NHL right now, the first place you got to start, COVID-19. We thought we were going to be gone. I remember when we first left college, right? We thought, okay, two weeks, maybe we'll be back. And now that's turned into two years, and now we're still here battling uh, the coronavirus. And now we got the new variant, all the fun stuff that continues to come with it. But the NHL seemingly every single day has a postponement. Now USA versus Canadian teams are postponed through the holidays. And there's a couple of people saying, 
well, maybe we should change the protocols. So first things first, I'll let you talk about the postponements and the Canada USA. Yes. That out. So the Islanders are supposed to play Montreal today. It's not going to happen. So Monday's game against Montreal has been postponed. Their next game will be against the Capitals, but it's all about the border. You know, since the start of this pandemic, we saw the divisional realignments last year. Canada's got different rules in the U.S. And the NHL has to cooperate with those rules. So right now, Canadian teams are not allowed to travel over the border. They're not allowed. They have different protocols in place. And the NHL, first off, a lot of their markets are Canadian. That's where they get most of their viewership in those big markets. So they have to do what they have to do with that. But you look around the league, and I think it's like somewhere around 10% of players have COVID or in COVID protocol. Now, most of them do not have symptoms. They're asymptomatic. And that's where this becomes like a, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You talk about Eisenman calling out Hellebuck. The problem is there's no plan. Spin and Chicklets tweeted out that there was um, a source saying that the players aren't going to the Olympics. Well, not sure if that's true or not. You got to think that that's not happening. A lot, of play- a lot of players have come out. Robin Leonard was the first player to come out, a uh, goaltender of Vegas Golden Knights, to say he's not comfortable going to Beijing and if getting the virus, having to quarantine, because their rules are different. It's something, it's something not it's crazy. Like I mean, it's five just, weeks yeah, that you have just, to stay because it's international travel. Well, what? yeah, I mean, they have crazy rules there. What was the, the guy, one of the uh, ball brothers, Still a Gucci belt, and he like got jail time. Remember that whole thing? Uh, the rules there. The rules there. Whack. But back back to hockey. So when guys like, why do you need to steal a Gucci belt when you yeah, have billions you know, of dollars? Leonard's done a tremendous job in trying to bring awareness to mental health in the sport. He's been the biggest advocate. He's not done fighting because he knows no changes come of it. He tweeted out the other day. But also, when you see a guy like I don't know Connor McDavid probably the greatest player in the game right now might be the greatest player ever when it's all said and done. Definitely most talented. You'd have to say, get into that debate another time, but he doesn't feel comfortable going. And when you start to see certain stars decide we're not going, doesn't make sense. Now it doesn't. And the problem is you have that break, that co- um, that Olympic break but with all these postponements. I think it's a 27 games, total postponed, something like that. That number is going to keep going up. You're going to have to use that break to make up games. You're going to have, I mean, Trot said post game after the Islanders lost in a shootout to Vegas, that it's not fair to the players, to the fans. If they're going to have like 28 games and 30 nights, I mean, it's just, it's going to be unreal. What the league is doing right now, shutting down most of the the games between Canada and the U S before the Christmas break. And then trying to, you know, figure it out after that. That's the right thing to do. There's no point. I know money, money, it's a business, right? You want to make money right now, especially at Canada, Bell Center, Montreal played the Flyers. I think it was Friday night. No fans. Now that's for safety reasons, but at the same time, that's lost revenue. And this is a sport that needs revenue. So owners are pushing for their for league shutdown. That's not going to happen as of now. They're doing what they can to try to counteract this thing. But then it gets to the point, Brendan, should we be testing players that are asymptomatic? I have it right now. If it's the new one, the new the new strand of this vaccine where it's just a, like a common cold. You know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not speaking as a player playing through this. Right now, obviously, if I was getting paid millions of dollars, if they said, listen, you know, you have very mild symptoms. I, I don't even know if you would call my symptoms completely like to the extent of what a lot of people are, are facing. I think I have more than what others have had. But if you're asymptomatic and you feel fine, 
should you be playing? Because we're testing everyone, of course. I mean, we go back to the shutdown with the Islanders. The NHL decided not to shut down the Islanders until they had at least like seven guys in COVID protocol. Once four or three or four guys on the team have it, everyone's getting it. It's And now with this strand where it's everyone is legit getting it, there's no point in waiting for six or seven guys to get it because it's going to happen. Yep. So you might as well have the players play that are asymptomatic. But again, I'm, you know, you, everyone has their own opinions about this. The problem is the NHL does not have a proper protocol. I mean, you're seeing guys pulled off the rink after like a period of hockey because their test came back positive. The, the damage is done at that point. If he feels fine, shouldn't he be playing? There's, that doesn't do anything. And I know Jared Bednar, uh, Kyler Avalanche head coach, came out because he, he was very confused on, you know, what is this protecting? Same thing with Hellebuck. Are they looking out for the players in this situation? Because it's not helping. Like their protocols that are in place are not doing the right thing. And is it hurting the players? Because again, a lot of these players probably could play through this and teams that are disadvantaged. I mean, the Oilers last night, a bunch of guys didn't play, but if they're feeling fine, that's we're, we're getting to a point where it's competitive disadvantage. And mm-hmm. that is something like Islander fans, of course, were going nuts about because they had to play a couple of games with practically half their lineup and AHL lineup. They lost, not to say that the COVID is the reason they lost all those games, but they're at a competitive advantage. And for a team like that, that's trying to fight their way back into a playoff race, they're, they're points behind. You know, they look back and go, well, we got forced to play through this. Now teams are getting shut down that don't have to play with much less. You know, there's nothing, there's no protocol in place. And I think if we decide to, if the NHL decides to shut down and figure out a plan, that's the best option because right now what they're doing isn't working. Yeah, I mean... I would I would like to say that we we are known to throw the occasional bet, and I think that the odds right now on them going to the Olympics are no minus like five thousand. Uh, uh, it doesn't make any they're sense. They're not going. It doesn't make any um, sense. It doesn't make sense for several reasons. Get, One, I, the COVID. Get rid of everything besides scheduling. If you want to finish this NHL season, you got to have the space to make up games. And the biggest problem is the NHL, and not to it's not their fault. Thought this was behind them. There was no reason to build in extra days for postponements they thought okay last year what was it barely anyone had covid because their protocols were strict protocols are very strict and of course they you were... can't do that though they no. that that's no well, I, I might I'm, catch... I'm sorry Brian, i'm gonna cut in you could do that because no one knew we was can't the do new it. vaccine was no wait but not, not not again i'm saying though the vaccine was new nobody knew how dangerous it was plus before the vaccines this thing was dangerous killing people at a much higher rate than this new strain now to put those protocols in place that would make no sense because that's just going to hurt mentally players who are getting trapped and locked away. I understand why they did it last year. Nobody knew, but now with more science and everything, and if this is the common cold, going back to those strict protocols, first off, aren't helping. So it doesn't matter. I think I think that made sense at that time, but times have changed and the rules have to change with them. It, you, you get to a point where it's just – we're going to live with it, right? It's never going to go away. This is going to be like the um, common cold. I think uh, this is going to affect us forever. It, Michael Jordan famously had the flu game, right? You fast forward five to seven years, someone's famously going to have a COVID game. I mean, that that's just the flu. became. It was very similar where it came over, was a virus, took over. You know, people at the time were like, what the heck's going on? Eventually, you learn to live with it. And he's playing through that. Same thing's going to have to go through here. And uh, you, you listen to Robin Leonard talk about he's not going to the Olympics, right, because of the mental health effects that it could have if he had to get quarantined over there for five weeks. Yeah. You listen to Connor Hellebuck say people need this more than ever. And us as athletes and players, we can't just keep getting sheltered in and locked in. Eventually you have to live your lives. 
you, you listen to Steve Eiserman say these guys are professional athletes. They're relatively asymptomatic. Why are they just being tested all the time? And if I might catch flack for this, but they should be playing if there's no symptoms. They shouldn't be getting tested if there's no symptoms. You look at what the NFL literally just put into place. Their vaccinated players, if they don't have symptoms, are not getting tested. It's only targeted testing for people that might have had exposure, which is how it should be. And I mean, you see it all the time. Once you test positive, if you are positive for COVID-19, tests can come back positive after that because uh, it's in your system still, even you're though you fought it. it off. So it, it, to me, you're going to have to come to the point where you balance the fact that is it dangerous and do we want people you know, playing that have effects and all of that? No. Do you want people dying and ultimately in society? No, but there comes to the time where you can't keep sheltering everybody and protecting everybody where you have to play through it. And I think that that's the part where the NHL, NFL, NBA, MLB, every sport is going to have to find the balance between do we keep postponing, keep postponing, testing players, doing all this, or do we just live with it? And when you look at what they're doing right now, why just postpone USA and Canada games? Why not at this point with the amount of players and protocol, just postpone everybody through the holidays, come back on Monday, the 27th, you know, right after the break at that point, everyone should be cleared from protocol. At least the majority of the players, you give people a time to rest up. They can go home, enjoy the holidays with their families and come back. And everyone could have a more competitive balanced roster. At that point, you change your protocols, you change the system of testing, all that stuff, whatever you got to do. Maybe you match the, the NFL, which they don't have the Canada barrier like the NHL does, which is going to play a part in it because Canada's very strict when it comes to COVID. But th there has to be some way to keep the competitive balance and, and not at the same time forfeit the amount of games and opportunities that these players have to play through things that five, six years ago, if somebody had a cold, would have been playing. A few things in here. One caveat to just testing the symptomatic players is the fact that this virus does affect people differently. Correct. Let's say I'm playing and I'm asymptomatic, right? I'm playing. But because I played, my teammate got it. And again, not that this is going to happen because a lot of these players, most of them don't feel anything. And if so, it's very minor. But I give it to a teammate and he ends up in the hospital and dies. Just throwing that out there. Very unlikely. But that would be the only caveat to that because that's a risk that, first off, I don't think you really can take. Because on the off chance... Even if it's one player that gets hit hard, which could have gotten he could have gotten the virus regardless of his teammates playing or not. But if you're playing, if you have someone playing that does have it, and they pass it to a teammate, and the the response from that teammate is a lot worse than what the other player was, that's a problem. I don't know if that's a risk people want to take, but at the same time, you're not going to know that player had it, so it, it's tough. At but this I, point, the whole entire league is going to have uh, antibodies. Well, again, I don't know anything about signs. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about signs, but. I, in I don't the back think many of my head, people I, know what's going I, on. I don't think if this is a, a dull response for me, but if we all just get it, like everyone just gets it, everyone's exposed to it, we all just get it. Don't we build like a I, – I think I'm pulling this from something I read. I don't even know if it's right, like a herd immunity. I don't even know what that means really. I think that means just everybody gets well, that's, it. That was the point of the vaccine is that if enough people have it in their body, you no, get the correct. herd immunity. But this new, this new strand though, which is more contagious but less symptomatic and mm -hmm. is legit like the common cold. Aren't we a little safer, actually, if we all just get it? Well, that's why I think that it's going to slow down significantly at the end of January. You know, New Year's Eve is a time where so many people are going to do whatever they want, regardless of whatever protocols are in place. Oh, of course. That I think that if you don't have it now, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be getting it. And once that whole, you know, spike happens and it comes back down, 
then we'll see. It also has to do with the winter. I mean, I know I speak for it's the cold two and of us. Season. We, we went to school in Cortland where no matter what you did, you could stay in your room the whole entire time. You were coming down with every illness under the book, no matter what, just because of the weather there. So, and one of th- our friends made a good time. point and I'm, I'm not going to call his name out obviously, but I disagreed with what he said about not getting tested because he didn't care. But I agree with his other point where he said, I would go to school. I felt like this pretty much every day for the last couple of months. I've definitely had it already. And for that, I mean, Cortland, a shout out to Cortland. But if you told me the coronavirus originated in Cortland, I'd believe you. <laughs> I would because I we had the quote unquote Cortland, Cortland played. <laughs> I had the Cortland played six times a month and twice on Tuesdays. Like I legit had it all the time. So, I mean, again, it's what tough. A it's a tough situation. But, yeah, the NHL has to do right by its players, the coaches, and more importantly, the fans. I, I just don't see what they're doing right now as the right thing. I agree with you. Shut it all down. Re- you know, reconvene after this break, after New Year's. Worry about the Winter Classic. You obviously want to play that game. Put protocols in place for that game. You're, But that's outdoors. That's a lot, I feel like, a lot easier because you're out, you know, outdoors, all that kind of stuff. And everyone has to remember, too. This is not an airborne disease. This is not an airborne virus. I feel like people don't know that. You cannot get this from just being around someone that has it. It's saliva. It's stuff like that. So as long as you're not spitting on it, that's why, again, you, you can't really argue with idiots. As long as you're not spitting on people? Is no, that no, where no. you were going with that statement? No, no because everyone <laughs> likes to say, especially on social media, oh, the vaccine's not doing its job. It's like, no. The vaccine's doing its job. The vaccine never once said you will not get COVID or you will not feel symptoms. The whole point of the vaccine is that when you do get it, if you do get it, you won't be in a hospital on a ventilator. So for the majority of people, this vaccine, but again, you can't argue with people that, you know, it's like anything. At the same time, though, if that's the logic, right, then why do we keep shutting things down? If if you're not going to have as bad symptoms. Then keep power. Well, they don't. I mean, in general, you don't want people to get sick. I'm just saying that the vaccine all the time. That's the thing that I think people forget is people get sick all the time. No, but the whole thing with, oh, I don't want to wear a mask and do that stuff. It's like, well, the mask isn't like, it's not airborne. If me and you are in the same room, but it's a fact that if you like sneeze or you spit and that gets on me, now I got the chance to get it. But I I would love to move forward because again, well, I have a good segue. You have a good segue. You you talked about some players getting harder hit than others. And that's been a a large majority. You cannot be. No, I was not going there. I was not going there. You're not talking about Brett Connolly's hit. No, no. I was going to talk about there's been an uptick in physicality this year. I mean, stemming from the Rangers, right? Jacob Troop has been hitting everybody. I'm sorry. Pause. Because if you had segued to the Brett Connolly, I wasn't. I was going to be more respectful than that. No, but I know you. And first off, that would have been the funniest segue <laughs> I've ever heard because, ah, geez, Brendan. All right. Well, continue with what you're going to talk to. And we'll get to the so, hit by Brett Connolly because he got correct, suspended. But continue. There, uh, Ryan Lomberg hit somebody on, on Colorado. I'm, I'm forgetting the, the defenseman's name. You know, knocked him out too. That was a, a clean hit. Mm-hmm. Jacob Truba uh, had the the hit on Jujar Kara in Chicago. Knocked him out. And McKinnon. McKinnon came back in that game, uh, fortunately. Head down. Head down. Correct. So I was watching the game. Which one? The early portion of the game where the Stars were playing the Hawks. Okay. Oh, so you were segueing to this hit. No, I I was going to, but I was going to do it more respectfully than the hit. Well, I started to ruin your thunder there. I made it funnier and sadder. You did. You did. But when when you talk about hard hits, Mm -hmm. 
they're always going to be a part of the game and and anybody can click two episodes ago or even last episode we've talked about this we are i, I personally i'm not going to put words in your mouth even though i know you're on the similar page don't but, put anything in my mouth brennan uh not spit covid but if, uh, <laughs> if you have hits in hockey the game is in a better place i, I think oh, it's I a part uh, of the game uh, i have to get to something after you make your point okay. but continue the hits that Truba threw legal legal and i know people don't like them they were legal you cannot when when you're moving that fast you can't judge you know the plane of everything when you slow it down and go frame by frame it's going to look a lot worse than it is live because guess what these guys are moving at 20 miles an hour but when you look at the hit that connolly threw on tanner caro or kiro the puck was uh, three feet off the ice wrapped around the boards he didn't even have possession of it that's an illegal hit that's the hit that can't be in the game that I mean, that was blatantly terrible, and I don't know what Connolly did. And did I can tell you exactly him? what Connolly was thinking. I can tell you exactly what was going through. Did so. anybody fight him or no? Because I didn't no, watch the rest of the game. Credit to them not fighting because right away, I want to say it was Rajlov after the hit was thrown, backed everybody away from Kiro. Kiro that Kiro. no, that I understand. But like when Truba hit Kara. They they fought him like five shifts later. Yeah, so I don't know if I think people saw the impact on Kiro. Let's let's say Kiro. I think it's I don't know Kiro. It's one R, right? It's one all right. R. Let's let's do Kiro. Let's follow the laws of English, which make no sense. I think that they saw how bleeding that hit was. That they were so concerned. Like right away, their concern was on the player. There was no point. There yeah. was no point. You have to make sure he's okay because we've I mean, seen th- time and time again. He is because uh, first off, the hit knocked him out. I'm pretty sure it did. And then his head. Hits the boards where the boards meets the eye. It was just. I mean, he had no. He was looking for the puck because he didn't have it. So that, I think that's, what Connolly assumed horrendous timing. And I there's no you can't go to Connolly to his defense at all. And it's a terrible decision. I think what happened was as he was expecting, he thought they were closer to the puck there, or the boards, and he just mistimed everything on that play. He saw. I don't. Maybe he didn't even see Kiro. Kiro's a little shorter, but. That's a hit. Oof. You want to go back to the Truba stuff, right? If you're angry at the Truba hits, blame the rules. Blame the rule book because, you know, if you're that tall, Truba's taller than the guys he hit. Of course, Truba's contact with chest is going to most likely hit people up high. That's not anyone's fault. Now, if you're angry about those hits, look at the rule book because the rule book says that that's a legal hit. So if you want to be angry, don't be angry at Truba because, first off, any player with his head down, not blaming the player, but you're always taught, skate with your head up or you're going to get rocked. McKinnon, you cannot let one of the best players in the NHL cut to the end of the ice, especially with his head down. You know, you want to take hits out of the game like Scott Stevens hits back in the day. Great, you've done that. Player safety, as bad as they've been, have stepped up and have gotten most of those hits out of the game. But you cannot let the one of the best players in the league cut to the middle of the ice because if Trooper lets him cut to the middle of the ice and they score, terrible play on Trooper. And then you will saying, how come he didn't hit him? You got to hit him. You got to lay the body. This is a physical sport. If you don't like physicality, go play checkers. And someone on Twitter, again, I, I'm not a fan of calling people out, said the rules have to change. You know, these hits are dangerous. And I said, listen, if we take hitting out of the game, we are bringing a, a type of hockey that nobody likes to watch. We are bringing NHL all-star. That I described it as NHL all-star hockey, which is all skill, speed, and there's no defense. It is, first off, I think it is very boring to watch because we all watch hockey for the hitting, a lot of the fighting, just that element because in no other sport can you fight someone and five minutes later do it again. Yeah. No other sport. This is a physical sport. If you don't like physicality, don't watch it. I'm sorry. 
Isn't football one of the most popular sports in the United States? People like watching violent things, and that's not and what's, to say like, what's the one gripe right now that everyone has with the NFL? That it's soft. That it's getting soft. Yes. That all the hits that defenders are throwing, no matter how clean they are, are being flagged. So if that doesn't give you players. the consensus. No, exactly. But in or if you want to get those types of hits out of the game of hockey, I'm sorry. It is no longer the game of hockey. And for a sport that when you look at rankings and ratings compared to other sports, even to basketball, basketball, football, I'm, I don't even know what the rankings are. Maybe baseball is ahead of hockey just because of its past. All time. of them are. All of them are. So now you're going to take the one element of the sport that draws people to it because, again, Americans like – and can everyone in the world – they love violence. I don't know what's wrong with us as a people. We love violence. We love the adrenaline that comes with it, all that stuff. You take that out, how on earth are you expecting to gain views? This is not a finesse league. You want a finesse league? They're making a three-on-three league called Thrice. And it's going to be a three-on-three league that plays tournaments or whatever. Really cool thing. But it's not NHL hockey. NHL hockey is physical. There's a reason that you got to be the best of the best, not only to play this sport, but you talked about it too, how fast the game is. You want to break it frame by frame and watch these hits? Yeah, they don't look good. They're not pretty at all. In real time, that's probably half a second that you have to make a decision. Um, the game the other day, Edmonton versus – I was just going to say this. If Edmonton you want to take the Dallas. bad hits out of the game, take what Lausanne did, and he clearly was day boarding. That wasn't even penalized, by the way, because the officiating is a reviewed. joke in this league. A joke. An absolute – these refs are like the blind mice walking around with their, their stick. But guess what? You suspend Lausanne because that's a dangerous hit. You suspend him now. Because and you suspend Connolly only four games? Well, first off, terrible. definitely had to be suspended. But out of all the hits we've seen this year that people have ended up in the hospital, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. That was the dirtiest. I was thinking five to ten. Automatic five ten. I don't want to take those hits out of the game. You have to put a harsher penalty. People, you know, people were saying, "Well, you know, it wasn't as bad." Or Connolly didn't mean it. Understandable. I don't think Connolly's a dirty player. It was a major lap in ju- and no adjustment. No means in, uh, to knock somebody out in judgment. Excuse me. No, of course not. Except Jake Paul, that was rigged. But anyway, um, he got rocked. Anyway, so <laughs> Jake Paul, jeez. But uh, anyway, you, you just look at these hits. And that is the dirtiest hit I've seen in quite some time. And the hit on Sevier last night, everyone said, well, he looked over his shoulder. He knew the hit was coming. He put himself in a vulnerable spot. First no, off, he didn't. if you know hockey, the reason he looked over his shoulder is because the game happened so fast that he was thinking three steps ahead. Okay, when this puck comes around the boards, where's my teammate so I could throw it? Because I'm probably going to get hit. You cannot blame the player on that. Brett Connolly, uh, not Brett Connolly, geez. Who, L- Lazan. Lazan, yep. Saw the numbers. The numbers were shown the whole time. You gotta lay up. You can't. You can't finish that hit. You can't. First off, you can't blame the player. And two, you no. gotta know. You gotta know much better than that to lay that hit. Because first off, bad. he got up. That if he had, if he had ended his, he could end his career right there. That could have been game over for Skivier. And yes, he had the puck along the boards. That's a common play. The puck's coming along the boards. What did you want him to do? So very, very you're, terrible. You're taught, by the way, as a player, especially yeah. in that scenario when you see numbers, if you're going to make contact, because obviously you can't let him just go up the wall with it, but yeah. you wrap and you pin. That way you're giving him support so he's not going face first into a dasher like that. And we see plays like that. We see that puck come off the boards and the player either chips the puck to the center of the ice and they transition. That right. is a like routine breakout play. The, you see the guy coming in on the forecheck, the puck's coming around the boards, Quick pass to, the, to your defender or whoever's in the center of the ice, and they go up the rink. 
all the time. You can't you can't lay that hit. And the fact that I'm sorry, okay, it's one thing if the rest mi- miss it off the bat, even though I don't know how you do that. The puck's there. To then review it and deem that it's not a penalty, ridiculous. But okay, that happened. George Paros, watch that. Tell me one time during that play that you said, yes, that's legal. Because guess what? You don't penalize him. It's going to happen to another player. That player is going to get hurt. You're then going to penalize him. But that could have been all avoided if you gave him a a huge punishment. And maybe that doesn't even happen if right away Brett Connolly is, you know, I don't know why it takes a while. Right after that game, why can't George Paris go, all right, looking at the views an hour later. You're watching that game. That happened. Ten games right off the bat. Because they have to have a meeting with the player. See, I, I don't agree with that. What what could you possibly if Connolly said I didn't? It's see part them? of their CBA. All right, fair enough, fair enough. The rules and regulations. They they have to be there with their representative to kind of argue the cause. Because uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you. I don't even know no, how I mean, you I don't. But like the same way that innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, can, I know. Yeah, I mean, like Tom Wilson shouldn't have only been fined five thousand dollars, but if they had given him a random fifteen game suspension for something, he's got to be there to okay. fight for himself. All right, so I take back what I said, but at the same time, you know. The lack of decision making, the lack of suspensions, are going to lead to those yep. hits happening. Like you said, those hits do not leave the game until there are hefty. If you suspended Brett Connolly twenty games, the amount of those hits you see this season, which again haven't seen a lot of those hits, because again the ones that you talk about were true, but legal, legal. But if you give someone a guy like that twenty games, a guy that's never had an offense in the NHL, a stand up guy, as people say about Connolly, again. We both don't think he, you know, he's the type of guy that did it on purpose. It's just a poor lapse of judgment. You, I think you have a major impact on those kinds of hits, and you make it safer. That's the thing. And good news for Kiro is that he was conscious in the hospital. He's okay. And who? Oh, Joe Pavelski was getting emotional after the game. In yeah, because if you remember what happened to him when they were playing Vegas, that was in the playoffs. Yep, he got hit hard. That yeah, that was a mess. I remember that game. That was when they scored. Mm-hmm. What, like four times? In one, uh, was that the game that Goudreau wound up winning it in overtime? Was it Goudreau or was it Hurt? Wait, you're talking about the Sharks? No, that uh, was Meyer. Wait, was that when he was on Dallas? I'm confusing the years. No, no, no. Goudreau, Barkley Goudreau had a phenomenal game winner against Vegas. It was against the, the Knights. I don't know if it was that game or if that was the game that Meyer scored in oh, OT when Stars, Flurry Knights? fanned on it. Was it Stars, Knights, and then the Stars went to the – no, that was that didn't – is that last year? With all no. this COVID shit, this all thing. Last year was Montreal. Montreal played Dallas. No. Yeah. No, Montreal played Vegas. The years just get washed together with this yeah, whole pandemic. Been stuck inside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the last thing that we got to talk about, you know, you, you stay on the trend with COVID. Mason uh, Geertsen. <laughs> oh, God. Chirp. I don't know if it's a chirp of the year because, you know, is it weak? I mean, it doesn't. It's first a weak off, chirp, but it's a funny so, chirp. Well, let's set the stage. So. He got into it with Tyler Bertuzzi and he said, like, go get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. And quite frankly, if Tyler Bertuzzi's not vaccinated now, he could give a flying you know what about what anyone thinks about it. He's not, I mean, it was funny just because there's only one player in the NHL you could do that to, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. So, I mean, it, it was very funny. It was very good awareness. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, you got to think um, of this stuff right off the bat. I mean, the best, one of the best trips I've heard is the whole thing with Drew Miller and Matt Martin where Drew Miller's on the bench. It's Dallas versus uh, the Islanders a couple years ago. And Drew Miller told Martin to go back to the AHL. And Matt Martin goes, you've spent more time in the AHL than me, you dumb F. Go dye your hair. Because Drew Miller <laughs> used to have the white the white streaks and stuff. 
so funny. And the fact that I can remember that but can't remember many things in life is is just sick to me. It, it is an illness. One more thing before we get to actual hockey talk. Paul Maurice stepped down yeah. as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. And thank God Elliot Freeman does such a good job because right when the press conference happened, I was laying down in bed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this thing. When I tell you, I wanted to – I was ready to run through a brick wall, and I, I'll share my tweet because I personally thought it was funny. I said I'd run through a brick wall for this guy, and I don't even run in general. So I thought that was a little <laughs> funny. But listening to just – well, let's set the stage. Paul Maurice believed that the Winnipeg Jets could be playing a lot better and that they needed a new voice. So after eight or nine years of being the head coach – first off, he was an intern when he started. Being there for eight or nine years, what he's gone through – he decided, I'm done. They need a new voice. I'm not doing the best I possibly can for them. He doesn't believe they lost the room, but he they were doing everything he asked of them and weren't getting the results. And he decided to be the leader and leave. And the the credit to him, because I've never heard a press conference done the way he did. Everything was mm-hmm. respectful. Everything was about... The players, everything was about, listen, I've given all I could. They need a new voice. They're going to do great things with the new head coach. He left on his terms. I mean, first off, when do you see coaches leave on their own terms in the NHL? He kept repeating over and over again that they need a new voice. I'm not the right guy. And a lot of other coaches would have run their team into the ground and got fired because they need a paycheck and that's their job. Well, Paul Maurice is at a point in his career where he doesn't. And he said, this is uh, is how he ended it. And I think I remember it probably word for word. He said, the day I signed in Winnipeg as the head coach was a great day for Winnipeg and a great day for me. The day I resigned as the head coach of Winnipeg is a great day for Winnipeg and a great day for me. He was at peace with this situation. He spoke to Blake Wheeler, the captain, and told him before he had the press conference. Wheeler obviously was shocked and upset, but it was a respect. they said a respectful handshake, move on. He said the emotions and the the family bond he has with that organization and the players is not going to go away. But right now I need a new voice. And honestly, not that I was getting emotional watching it, but it was one of the most magical, most respect. There's honestly, there aren't words. If you have not watched it, go back and watch it because you will never see a classier press conference in the history of sports. Yeah. Never. The only other time you'll see something like that is if a player or a coach wins after winning a cup or a championship and retires. Like when you don't go out like that, this real close up there with being one of the the classiest things I've ever heard and seen in my entire life. Because I mean, you talk about putting your for the boys, like that was the biggest for the boys move I've ever seen at any professional level. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up coaching in the Metro behind the bench, of the Philadelphia Flyers next year. I mean, uh, if he wants to come back and coach, I think that he team. wants to remain in Winnipeg, and I not as a coach or maybe part of the organization. But right now, he's gonna take. He's at he's at peace with not coaching now. I think he's uh, mentally. He's at peace with not coaching Winnipeg. Well, no, but he said they're asking. So, what do you want to do next? You want to coach another? He goes honestly. He thinks he needs a break. He said he wasn't giving all he could. He believed that you know the love for the passion of coaching every day and going to the rink hadn't been the same over the last couple of years. So Correct. We'll and see, that's we... why Mike Yo was named the interim head coach for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Perfect time to hire Paul Maurice for next year. Yeah, and um wish Paul Maurice nothing but the best. Obviously if he had been fired and we don't know the story and how this all went down, but kudos to him because that was the cool that was one of the coolest things I've ever heard. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yep, definitely. So now we'll move on. You know, we'll talk about a little bit of the the Rangers, who have been a little inconsistent as of late, even though they're six three and one in their last ten, and won't play another hockey game until twenty twenty four. This is presented by Con Beer Bongs twenty dollar beer segment here. So the Rangers, after going on their seven game win streak, have kind of you know did one of the the win lose win lose types things, which can be expected after you have a streak like that. I think that. They played, I think it was 10 games in 16 or 17 days, so they played a lot of hockey. Coming down and to earth. They, uh, not really. Uh, they they played the Avalanche, who happened to be hot at the right time. They played the Vegas Golden Knights, who happened to be hot. So all the good teams that they were playing, theoretically, when they've lost right now, were on streaks of their own right after the Rangers had come off their own streak. So it's a bad time to have that type of clash. But I think the Avalanche showed that they're real cup contenders, and I think that the Rangers showed that they can hang with good teams when they're going to be healthy because they, you know, looked at Vegas, who was had won, you know, four straight or three straight at the time, and without Shesterkin, without Panarin, pretty much outplayed them and should have won that hockey game uh, had it not been for Brassois and goal. But it's not a time to panic. Now you get 10 days off. By the time they come back, you should have Shesterkin. He's well, already off your, the IR. That's your biggest thing. And Panarin's you know, going to be back too, and they'll be okay. I made the joke that they were coming back down to earth because we all know, especially if you bet, eventually teams come back lose. to uh, – well, eventually teams come back to reality. And the Rangers struggled to score for, what, a couple of games where it was – they just couldn't score. But that happened. I mean, pretty much an NHL season, you very rarely get a team that's consistent the whole year. It, it's so hard. Again, with injuries, it's because of health. That's a main part of it. Injuries play a part. You lose your your number one goaltender, one of the better goalies in the NHL, who's not getting enough credit for his play this year. But that's a whole other story. And if I'm saying that, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Rangers, I think it's, you know, you struggle a little bit, you bounce back. You got to bounce back. You got to take the little improvements game in and game out. Even if you lose games that are tough ones, like the shootout loss, you bounce back. And whenever you have the next game, I know they don't play what till. Their next game is the 27th against Detroit. Yeah. Detroit's an up and coming team, but they're not at the level that, you know, they're not a playoff team yet. The Rangers should, you know, do their job against them. But, you know, going back to Colorado, you said they're cup contenders and we all agree that the only thing, the only problem I have is I feel like they have a, they have much better defense than Toronto did, you know, when the last couple of years when it's all about offensive heavy, I don't, I love Kemper, love his game. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he is a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. The same way I didn't think Grubauer Not was. Right and, when, and when Seattle signed Grubauer for as much money as they did, I thought you got to look at the environment he was in in Colorado. You got to look and at least contribute that. You look at the Islanders goaltenders, they, they get a bad rep over the last couple of years. More so, I would say Varlamov and even Leonard. The fact that these are good goalies. Not taking anything away from Varlamov or Leonard. Or even Grice when he was playing well. They're good goalies. But you're looking at their playing, they were, not not this year. They're playing behind the best or one of the top defensive units in all of hockey. 
you, you got to look at Kemper, and I don't think Colorado's defense has been as good this year. And I think, not saying again, not to say Kemper's not good. He makes draw dropping saves all the time. He, he's he's a strong goalie, but I don't think he's a goalie that puts them over the top like other goalies in the NHL might. The same way I thought Grubauer going to Seattle wasn't going to be like they have this all star goalie. No, Grubauer is very good, but when you limit shots to the perimeter and you protect the front of the net, the stats change. The confidence yep. changes. All of this changes. That's why, you know, Varlamov came back this year, struggled. I know he came back from hip, no um, training camp, all that stuff. And not to say Varlamov can't get back to being a Vesner caliber goaltender, but the Islanders' lack of defense showed the holes and weaknesses of Varlamov. And I think with Kemper, I mean, first off, he looks so good because he's playing for a Coyotes team where the stats really didn't matter. It was, oh my God, Kemper keeps them in games. That's got to count for a lot because they're they're just atrocious. It's a different mentality. Now you're in Colorado where it's like, okay, you got to play to a, a level every night. You can't, you know, you're, it, it's just very different. I think people understand the point I'm getting. I don't want to beat mm-hmm. a dead horse, but I don't know if Kemper's a uh, a goalie that could win you a Stanley Cup and come up with that, those big savings when a team falls apart. I know I mean, we did it with Arizona, but again, if he allowed three or four goals a game in Arizona, that, that wasn't terrible. No, he, he withstood a storm at the end of the, the first meeting that they had, yeah. or the second meeting. The yeah. Rangers couldn't get shots the whole game, and then they had 10 shots in the final, like, two minutes and 45 Again, seconds. Again, I'm not saying he's not good, and he can't be a guy that wins on the cup. I just think that the move with he, Grubauer he's shaky. leaving, he's shaky. And the, same thing, and the same thing we'll talk about, and, you know, Leonard, every amazing thing that he's done. We saw last year in the postseason, he was shaky. For Vegas, that one game that he started after Fleury had that um, what was the word that we kept gaff? That's when the gaff mm-hmm. word came back into into you can, the. You can criticize the 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 player mm. on ice performance oh. without not liking the person. Like oh, I, I, know, but... I love what Leonard's done off the ice, yeah. but but you look at Leonard and Leonard's one of those goalies that he's been shaky at times. I mean, even in the game today against the Islanders, a couple of the goals where you're thinking, I know there might have been a deflection and screens, it's all that stuff, but the way they go in, you're thinking. No bueno. That, that can't happen. That no can't bueno. happen. Sorokin, the first Sorokin's a great goalie. Great goalie. The first goal he allowed off that rebound. That's a weak rebound. That can't happen, especially for an Islanders team that you can't afford to just give up goals like that because they're they've struggled and they have to fight back. And we'll get to the Islanders game in a little bit so, because. So the last thing that I want to talk about because obviously the Rangers went from playing every single night it seemed like to now they haven't played in forever. Um, they have four people who are potential all-star candidates. And if I name the four, I want you to tell me which one you think doesn't make it. Wait, or they have four, four players will. that are, can I guess? Yeah, that are going to be on the all-star okay. ballot. Is this including goaltenders? Yes. Okay, Shesterkin? Yep. Fox? Yep. Kreider? Yep. I mean, I guess it's fan voting, Panarin. Well, no, th- these are the people that are on the ballot. And yes, it is Panarin. Panarin is sixth in the league in points. Look at that. I got four. Look at that. So which one of those players doesn't make it? Or do all four actually make it? They're going to have multiple all-stars. But again, this is fan voting. I think Shesterkin goes in. Uh, is it all fan vote? I'm not sure how it works this year. I think the last man, that's baseball when it's like last man and they vote. I don't think yes, that's, is that that's hockey. Or... Should be. No, no, that's baseball. Okay. So, I mean. And this is just for the Metro. If you had to choose one guy. On the Rangers to make it based on the year he's having, I, I think you got to go Kreider. Correct. But not, well, I mean, you got to take your Sturkin first off. So that's what I'm, I, I think that automatically 
Shesterkin qualifies yes. just because when you look at the Metro goalies and what he's done for the Rangers. And scoring, you you, goal-wise, you got to give Kreider in there. Okay, but then Panera, uh, Adam Fox has the most points among all defensemen in the National Hockey League. And Artemi Panarin, sixth in the league in points. Who, I think more? that the one person that's going to get snubbed, if if one of those dudes is going to be Kreider. Yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, you got to get Fox in there first off because he's Who's young. fourth in the league in goals. Well, no. Well, Kreider, but I'm saying, though, is it's all about making money and getting attention. and fan. Fox, Fox is, is getting it. Fox is a fan favorite, and he's a young player. It's such a good look for the sport if he's in the All-Star game. Well, Kreider doesn't get enough credit. What? You can't snub Fox, who's no. leading the league in everything. Kreider, I feel like, never gets the credit he deserves, so I could still see him not being in. But, but yeah, I mean, why not have all of them in there, I guess? I, well, I don't know. So the, the thing is, I don't know how many spots they're doing if, because yeah. I'm assuming they're still doing the three-on-three format, so that kind of limits it. But I was I was looking at that the other day, and they're going to have multiple All-Stars for the first time, and I forgot how long, but it's been a while. Yeah. But when you look at that group, just based on the years that they've had, if one of them gets snubbed, it, if one of them doesn't get selected, it's going to be a snub. Like if, if Artemi Panarin, who I think has had a down year and still a sixth in the league in scoring, doesn't make it, he, he very well might, might not, I should say. But if Kreider doesn't make it, who's fourth in the league in goals and has the most power play goals, or say if Fox doesn't make it, who is a reigning Norris Trophy winner and has 31 points. It... <laughs> Honestly, I'll make another point here, and then we'll move on to the Islanders before our interview. Um, the reason I would say Kreider gets snubbed is you're talking about the three on. it's a three-on-three three All-Star game. Panarin and Fox are more three-on-three players. Kreider is very good at deflections, and he's a good shooter. Don't get me wrong. But if you were talking about excitement in an overtime, Kreider's not the guy. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Kreider. He's fast. I know he's fast, but you're talking about flashiness. Kreider's got speed, grit. uh, Kreider's got speed, grit, a great shot. You're talking about Fox making deeks and dangles and spinner on a pass. You're talking about Panarin, who's got eyes on the back of his head. That's more geared for an all-star game, three-on-three. If you're talking about an actual game, who am I taking? I mean, Kreider comes through in big moments. Panarin's having a quote-unquote down year. I would rather take Kreider in an actual game just with goal. if you needed a goal scorer. Because Panarin does a lot of great things. But Fox could do what Panarin does. I feel like I feel like if you're talking about an all-star game, a three-on-three overtime, that depends. You, you, want, you want the creativity. And yeah. that Are you talking Panarin about Fox. drafting a team for the three-on-three tournament? Or are you talking about who gets put in? Like Those are two no. different things. Playing on the rink. Well, if you're drafting a three-on-three team and yeah. you, you could have Shesterkin and goal with Fox uh, and Panarin out there as two of your three players, you're already on a really good start to your well, three you're probably not spot. getting all you're probably not getting them all in the same. Oh, it's by division. So yeah, you would. Yeah, correct. So but that's why there's more limited spots than if there were. So that's conference. why Kreider might be the odd man out because his stuff isn't as I mean, he scores some beautiful goals, don't be wrong, but he's not as flashy as there too. And you're talking about a, a game that's on national television in front of an audience. You want the cool flash and it's where people go, oh, ah, like that stuff. Crowder's not, Crowder's going to run a goalie. So he hasn't. I know, I know. Price tripped. tripped him. I mean, he got tripped into Price. And then it's I so know. evident. I it know. is clear I as know. day. Yet Montreal Canadiens fans still want to harp on it. Maybe dude, your guy shouldn't shove dude, the stick. In Canadian his feet. fans are dangerous. They stink. They stink. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. To the Islanders now. So Islanders, uh, Island Time brought to you by Yeet Sunglasses. Enjoy that. Island Time, everyone loves sunglasses. So today, uh, excuse me, on Sun, I'm trying to think of how we're doing this. Are we saying that it's today or not? You're just releasing it tomorrow. Releasing it tomorrow. Um, 
Today, the Islanders lost 4-3 to the Vegas Golden Knights. And what was a very weird game, but full of magical moments before the game even started. So Andy Green, Islanders defenseman, longtime devil, played his 1,000th NHL game on November 15th. Today, they honored him with the Golden Sticks. Some uh, silver, Golden Sticks? Silver stick, Silver. Pretty sure silver. silver. represents the hair color. If he Whatever, has. Silver stick, yeah. For his 1,000th game, the reason that it was today, not against the Devils or any other team for that matter, was because his family couldn't get out until today. So that was cool. Robin Leonard returned to the Long Island for the first time since leaving after the 2018-19 How season. crazy is that? Which is crazy, but when you think about the pandemic and everything that went on with that, magical and... uh. Obviously, if you don't know the story already about Robin Leonard, I don't know where you've been because so that summer, Leonard was signed in the summer of 2018 before the season back in June or July. In September, a story broke with The Athletic. He came out and talked about his uh, issues with addiction and his bipolar disorder, creating this new, you know, no one's ever come out and talked about mental health the way he did. He wasn't scared to talk. He wanted to talk. He knew he'd get judged. You know, the stigma with mental health. Knew all of that. Lamarilla knew about that prior to him coming out and decided, you know what, I'm going to give him a chance, a one-year deal. And the connection, connection with the fan base was just, honestly, there, there's really no words that to describe it. That season was so magical. I'm trying to pull it up because I have... Hold on one sec. I have a stat. Here we go. In that one year, Leonard, first off, runner up for Vesna, 25 13 and 5 record, 2.13 goals against average, 930 saves, percentage, 6 shutouts. His goals saved above average, 26.24. I think 5 on 5 was around 16. Uh, record in the postseason, 4 4 0, 2.00 goals against average, 936 save percentage. He helped Islanders win the Jennings Trophy for the least amount of goals that season. He won the Masterton Memorial Trophy. He was third in the Vesna voting. He left after that season, contract disputes. The Islanders decided to sign Semyon Varlamov in order to help get Ilya Sorokin over from Russia. You know, looking back, the connection, it's, it's a business. It is what it is. But the magic of that season and the emotions, today you saw it. The fan base, the Islanders did a special special uh, ceremony for him during the uh, commercial break. I think it was on the 16-minute mark. It's all over Twitter. Robin Leonard has a tattoo on his neck of Long Island because he, he says it all time and time again. If you listen to the episode of Spin Chicklets with him on it, it was about Islander fans saved my life. It gave me the love for hockey again because he had some tough years in Buffalo. Quite frankly, we all know how inept Buffalo is at doing anything. So, you we know, the mental, toll of, the mental toll of playing in Buffalo got to Leonard. Again, he was dealing with a lot, but he was able to find peace being on the island. The fan base loved him. He loved the fan base back. He he tweeted out the other day, like Islander fans, I'm always, you're always on my mind or I'm always thinking of you. I'm not quoting directly. And it's just, it was magical. Now leaving it happened. There's no going back. He left, but it was just a magical day at UBS. Arena. plus Cal Clutterbuck played in his 900th career game and, almost career game. and he did almost score. I mean, he did score the puck went in the net. It was offsides. That's a no-no on Tzizekas because there's no reason he's rushing into the zone first. The Islanders did find a way to tie the game up late. Uh, tie the game up, take the lead late, excuse me, mm-hmm. give it right back, and then lose in a shootout. Very tough, sloppy, sloppy overtime. We'll talk more about it with our guest Owen. But, you know, it was just – it was a crazy day at UBS Arena. Unfortunately, me dealing with COVID, I, w- I wasn't able to go. I know my dad was supposed to go but because I had exposed him. 
he did not feel comfortable going. I respect his decision, but an awesome day. And the Islanders do get a point. But, yeah, it was just magic. And to go back to Clutterbuck's thing, I think it's being overlooked. 900 games for a guy that's whole career has been grinding, hitting. Not necessarily fighting, but he, he's been a, a league leader and hits a couple of times. Matt Martin close behind, but the injuries he's dealt with, the skate laceration to his wrist where, you know, it took forever. To play 900 games in the NHL, kudos to him because you don't see a lot of players that put so much toll on their on their body get to that point. So I thought that was something that was actually overlooked. Again, it was a magical day with so many things to celebrate. But um, the one thing I'll say is Andy Green, Lamarillo came on to end the ceremony, the video tribute to Green. And he said, I was there when you played your first NHL game. I was there for your thousands. And I hope to see you play many, many more. It was really, really cool. He got a standing ovation for that. You could see Green uh, very emotional during the video. I, they had the camera on him. You could see his eyes start to tear up. I started to tear up just because, you know, it's just, it's crazy. The power of sports and just, I don't know. It's very easy to love guys like Green because they just do it. They do it right. He please plays the game the right way. And a few of his former teammates that are on the team now, Parise, Palmieri spoke, P.K. Subban, Nico Hichier spoke. So it was just, it was really cool day at UBS Arena. And yes, the Islanders got a point. They probably should add two. And looking at the season now, and it's like, okay, the Islanders need to get points. You know, you can't blow games like that. It was really awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. And it, it, it kind of reminded me of a little bit like Dan Girardi, you know, when he got to that point, because you're yeah. Andy Green was not somebody that anybody thought would have a thousand games in the NHL. He plays that defensive first, you know, block shots, grind it out style that, as you mentioned and alluded to at Cal Clutterbuck, those types of players usually don't have the longevity that uh, some stars might have because they don't, the stars don't get into the, the gritty areas like these guys do. And, make a career doing so uh both of them awesome uh to see the the long longevity that they've had and it was great to see leonard come back so uh, i know the neck is a if i came home with a neck tattoo i would get slapped (laughs) but uh (laughs) it's right by you know he's always thinking about it he's always tweeting about it and uh, he's been an inspiration to so many myself he's not happy with the nhl's Still, the NHL hasn't done much to help with mental health, especially on social media where he gets comments that are just so on it. Again, no, a lot of people do. There's just I a mean, bunch of pricks on social media. To be I might tell blunt. the story after we have the interview with Owen because you know what happened with me and Leonard. I'll yep. talk about that after. I think it's a good way for us to end the show after the interview. So without further ado, Owen Kreps of Vegas Hockey Now. Joining the back check now is Owen Kreps of Vegas Hockey Now. Owen, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm just hoping, you know, this COVID thing dies down in the NHL and we can get back to playing some games here regularly. Yeah, that, that would be great. Obviously, I'm dealing with COVID right now, so that's why I'm home and doing absolutely nothing. But it, it's got a, it's got its perks. So we'll talk about, you know, the first thing with Vegas, obviously beating the Rangers Friday, beating the Islanders on Sunday. What are you seeing from this team right now? Uh, just everything essentially that they could have been that that they knew that they were going to be earlier in the season. They, they dealt with some very substantial injuries, stone Pacioretty, um, Eichel, if you want to count it, <laughs> I mean, and he's still out. Um, and everyone was saying that the consensus around the team was that they were going to get better once they got their players back. And would you look at that? They got their players back. They have now won eight of their last nine and they swept the road trip on the East coast. And they're first in the Western conference right now. Tied for first with the the Ducks and the Wild. First in the Pacific, 
They were out of a playoff spot early. I know it's it's still early in the season. We're yeah. not even to Christmas yet, but still, yeah. they've been resilient and they've been what many people think that they are a, a Stanley Cup contender. And you know things are only going to get better with Eichel back. Chandler Stevenson, man, is having one heck of a season. I was just going to ask you about him. He has been the most uh, the the player that I've been the most impressed with this season. Um, and yeah, they look they look great on all aspects. But of course, there's still some areas to work on, and I think that'll only get better as you know things develop and things are going really good for them right now because of you know again eight out of nine for a perfect for a game winning streak, and they go back home. Maybe you'll get Alec Martinez back, um, and yeah, hopefully on paper things are going to look better for them in the future as well. Yeah, we know on paper works. Like covering the Islanders on paper, you know that has its that has its perks and obviously the negatives. But you know, you said Stevenson has been a real bright spot. Anyone in the team that you think you know could be bringing more is not contributing the way they should be thus far this season. Well, I would say this. Besides Jack Eichel, because he's not playing. Oh, yeah. Jack Eichel has been absolutely (laughs) invisible out there this year. Same with Nolan Patrick, who, yeah, he's in Vegas. Uh, Reminder to everyone else that doesn't watch the Golden Knights, that's where Nolan Patrick is at right now. Um, I would say Shea Theodore, but he scored two goals last night. Not that he's been bad this season. Shea Theodore is an absolutely incredible player. I just think he has a little bit more to give, especially the fact that, you know, everyone was, like, pinning him up as, like, a Norris Trophy uh, finalist or candidate this year. He's been great last, I mean, last game he scored two goals and he had a shootout goal. So yeah, I think he has a little bit more to give offensively, but still he has just been absolutely incredible. The him and Petrangelo on the same team is unfair in my opinion, because both of them are just, they're just horses. They can eat up so much minutes, make that good first pass. And they're, they're so offensively gifted, but also very defensively sound. And, you know, it's probably not going to happen now because of what's going on with COVID, but seeing them together on Team Canada would have been awesome. Maybe still will be awesome, but probably won't be awesome. But they're on the same team right now, so. Yeah, oh, it's and it's, it's not happening. There's, not there's, happening. there's just no way. We, we could hope, but there's just no way. Yeah. And you mentioned Shea Theodore. I think that uh, when he first came into the league, he was billed as somebody who could be this type of player, and he never really realized that potential. And then once he started with Vegas, you saw him – start to blossom like that and I mean I know I turned on the Islanders Vegas game a little late the other day but just watching him you know, clap that so accurately into the bottom corner to tie it up you know he scored on the power play too he, he's a he's a real all well talent I think he gets slept on a little bit in this league yeah absolutely that was his first power play goal in I don't know how long since last playoffs I mean he's a defenseman so like it's kind of a stat that you look at immediately and you're like, Oh my gosh. But then when you think about it more, it's like, well, that's not that bad. But like, it was his first power play goal in like a hundred plus games or something like that. But I think, you know, he has a lot more to give, but he has not been bad this season at all. He's yeah. yeah, He's shaky. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and his, I think his skating ability kind of makes up. So even when he's not producing numbers offensively, he's still a very good defenseman. And that's, that's all you could ask for from your back end. Uh, I know that me and uh, Stefan were talking about this earlier in the show, and I wanted to ask you what your opinion was because watching the Vegas uh, a game against the Rangers, right? Brassois got the start. I thought he was amazing in that game. And when you look at the numbers overall, he's more limited opportunity for Brassois, but his numbers are a little bit better than that of Robin Leonard. And I wanted to see what you thought of, if are they going to potentially give Brassois more of an opportunity? Because 
just based on that one game, how he produced in the shootout as well. Uh, yeah. He definitely looked like he could hold his own in there. Yeah, especially in the shootout that game, he was impressive. Um, back-to-back shootouts for, for the Golden Knights. They actually, I think, the only team in the NHL that doesn't have a shootout or overtime loss. But uh, early on in the season, again, with the injuries, um, what Peter DeBoer did, and he even said this, he said, I want to get Leonard as many games as I can to start off the season, especially because he was coming off surgery in the offseason too. Leonard was. So I think Bersois only played like two of like the first like 15 games or something like that. And, you know, yeah, he was kind of on the shelf um, uh, as the backup goaltender, which, you know, Golden Knights fans aren't really used to seeing considering they had Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury in, in previous years. But since then, since the Golden Knights have gotten healthier, they've let Bressois play some more games, like the game against the Rangers, and he's been great. He he is, in my opinion, the definition of like a perfect backup goaltender in the NHL. He's not going to steal the job from Leonard. He didn't steal the job from Connor Hellebuck, um, but he's still a great a great backup and a reliable backup. And I I, I think he's a perfect foil to to Leonard. He's been great, and yeah, I, I, I he will get more games as the season progresses. To jump in there before I get into uh, the Robin Leonard stuff, just want to share a fact from Eric Hornick, the Islanders' statistician. You know, we're talking about Shea Theodore. He be- no opposing D-man has ever scored two goals in the third period and then the deciding goal in the shootout against the Isles until Shea Theodore did it. So, wow. yeah, Shea Theodore in the record books against the Islanders. I mean, that's not where Islander you know fans want to see Shea Theodore yeah. be brought up, but... It is what it is. So, obviously, Robin Leonard returning to the island after not returning back since the 2018-19 season was a major storyline. Yesterday, you saw, you know, the tribute, the video tribute they played, the emotion, him pointing to his the Long Island tattoo on his neck. First off, it was very fitting that he wanted a shootout because the guy can't stand shootouts. But, you know, as someone that covers Vegas, seeing it from the Vegas fan perspective and then seeing how the Islanders treated him, what did you think of the day? Yeah, he he had a... He had an interesting game. I would not say that he had a great game. Um, there was in the third period, especially where he let up a couple goals and you Five saw five. he was frustrated with himself, but at the end of the day, he gets the win in front of a, a crowd that, you know, he also loves his wife flew out uh, to see the game as well. And, I mean, you just got to love that stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I never really like followed closely his relationship with the Islanders um, when he was there only for the one brief season, but obviously it has, a tremendous amount of, you know, impact on him and his career. And, you know, I, Robin Leonard has been in the league for a pretty long time. Like he played for the senators yeah, all the way. Like he, he's been in the league for a while now and, you know, he's emerged. He was one of those just kind of a backup guys. And now he is one of the best goaltenders in the national hockey league. I think a lot of that has to do with him battling with his mental health and what he did in long Island and what the fans did for him. And, you know, I don't think he would be where he is at today with Vegas on a Stanley Cup contending team as an elite level goaltender without, you know, the Islanders fan base. Yeah, he said publicly that the Long Island fans changed his life and it made him love hockey again and saved him. And yeah, if you weren't watching those games and watching that season up close, I don't think anyone really understood. I don't think every, even the fans did. I mean, Leonard and just the appreciation. He says it all, all the time again. And yeah. He tries to make awareness about mental health issues on social media, and he won't stop doing it. Me and Brendan talked about it on our show, and it's cool to see because I think with Flurry leaving, a lot of negative attention came Leonard's way. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. 
Vesna winner, you're taking his shoes. The fan base thinks that you stole his job, even though, you know, decisions are made. It's a business. That's what hockey is. But do you think that, you know, Leonard didn't have a great game yesterday, but you think Leonard's doing a, a, a solid enough job at, you can't replace a guy like Flurry, but doing a solid enough job for this Vegas Golden Knights team. Yeah, he is. I will say that he, he absolutely is. And, you know, the goal that he gave up yesterday, the first goal he gave up yesterday, went off Braden McNabb's skate. Yeah. There's been a lot of those recently where he's just, you know, had some bad luck. Um, I will say, though, like, I, I don't know if you can see in the background. I'm in my childhood bedroom right now. I grew up as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I'm home for the holidays right now. So I grew up as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and I watched these same exact things happen to Matt Murray when Flurry left. And, you know, what's happening in Vegas right now, Flurry leaves, and the fan base is mad at Leonard as if it's his fault somehow that yeah. it's a business. You and played so well. That's your fault. Cap space is a thing, and – you know, you have to move on. Leonard was the younger goaltender. He was the cheaper goaltender. He is arguably going to be the better goaltender for the next, you know, coming five, 10 years. And, you know, it, it sucks to lose a guy like Flurry, of course, but it baffles my mind the way that both the Penguins with Murray and the Golden Knights fans, some of them, not all fans are like this, but the way that they can, you know, treat a goaltender and that there's no other position in hockey where like the mental aspect is, is is as important as the goaltending, you know, because if you're not in the right mindset, then you're not playing well because goaltending has a lot to do with like your mind games and things like that. Like if, if fans want to bag on, you know, fourth line center, Nikola Wah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's awful, but still he's going to play 11 minutes a night on a fully healthy golden lineup, golden Knights lineup as opposed to Leonard, who's in the net for 60 minutes a night, having to, you know, just sit there with his own thoughts pretty much for the entirety of the game when he's not, you know, facing shots. It's important um, for for fans to realize that. And, yeah, Leonard's been incredible this year. He has He's had some bad luck. His stats are not what, you know, indicate him of his play. And, you know, early on in the season, I was like, oh, Vesna. I don't think that's that's the case right now, but he definitely deserves something for for his hard work. And I think the only thing he and the Golden Knights care about is how far they can go in the playoffs. And at the end of the day, that's really just what matters. Yeah, and I think Leonard also he he wants respect. He wants. Yes. There's been too many years of he's not good enough. I mean, first off, we go back to starting with the Senators, then being in the Buffalo. I mean, no places that you're gonna have really have success. I mean, Leonard's numbers in Buffalo weren't great, but you got to look at the team around him. I mean, he goes to the Islanders, yeah. and he's able to break out because of the support he had around him. I mean, the Islanders' defense was phenomenal, and they, they won the Jennings that year. And it helped Leonard, you know, gain that confidence that he really had in his whole career. Pretty much every time he played, they lost. I mean, Buffalo was a dumpster fire when he was on the team. And so now, I mean, it's finally – he's getting the respect. And I, I don't think he will truly ever get the respect he de deserves. When he calls it a career, I think he'll be an underrated goaltender at the level. And just that's part of – the NHL, a lot of players go unnoticed, but I think, like you said, his one job is to help the Vegas Golden Knights win a cup, and I think he's capable of doing that. He's absolutely capable of doing it. This isn't, you know, the the Golden Knights didn't downgrade from Flurry to Leonard. They still have a more than capable Stanley Cup winning potential goaltender. Knock on wood. Like he's he's there. He's one of the best. He's a starter. He's not like you know some of the teams in the NHL have their starter as. Aiden Hill or like not to throw shots at the sharks or whatever, <laughs> but like, you know, come on. Like some of these guys are not starters. Leonard is a starter. 
in the NHL. Yeah, he, he definitely is. And, you know, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights roster right now, they're clicking on all cylinders. I know it was a little bit of a rough start, but they had their fair share of injuries. And when you look at how scary they, they look offensively, defensively, you mentioned Leonard and goal, and they still haven't even gotten the Jack Eichel piece in there yet. So are, are you, well, I guess it's a two-part question. How excited and amped up are Vegas fans right now for the potential for Eichel to, you know, make this lineup even more deadly? And what do you think happens to the lineup once he does come back? I know as a Rangers perspective, Riley Smith was rumored to be on the block because obviously the cap situation becomes uh, a, an apparent issue there, especially with the flat cap. So are you, you know, looking at that as a potential downfall to his return and, and what do you see? Uh, there? Yeah. I don't see Riley Smith moving simply because Riley Smith is good and he's having a great season and he's been there since, you know, day one for the golden Knights, the, the Golden Knights line, uh, the misfit line, we call it, uh, of Carlson, Marshall Sold, and Smith has been there since, you know, the yeah. first year of the franchise. It has insane chemistry, like off-the-charts chemistry. The other night, Smith made a pass to uh, Carlson, and it was just – he didn't look. And it was – I don't know how – it was from blue line to blue line. He went in and scored. It was incredible. So I don't think Smith gets moved, but they will have to make up, you know, cap space somewhere. Like there's literally no possible way that Eichel makes it in the lineup without a cap penalty um, if they want to do it before the playoffs, which they will, um, unless they don't trade someone out. So right now, I think the number is around $8 million that they'll be over um, with Eichel in the lineup. They have a couple guys that are making like a little bit over a million in the bottom six, like Will Carrier, Matias Yanmark, um, Nolan Patrick even makes one2 two but he's on LTIR I have no idea what's going on with him that I don't if he'll ever play again or if he's you know gonna be the next prodigy there's no I have no idea what's going on with him um but one player that I could see moved and it's not Riley Smith is Evgeny Dadanov because when the the Golden Knights traded Flurry, they all of a sudden had seven million dollars of cap space to work with, and they were like, "Ooh, let's go shopping!" And they got Evgeny Dadonov, who has five million dollar cap hit. He's been okay this season. He he's a veteran, and you know he's one of those players that, in at least in my opinion, is only good with one team. He reminds me of like David Perron with the Blues. If he goes anywhere else, he's like okay. If he goes on the Blues, he's amazing. Um, and that that is uh, the Panthers in Dodonov's case. Yep. I don't think the Panthers will want him, but still, $5 million cap space on the lineup sheet. He's projected to be on the third line because you got Stone and Pacioretty on the first line as your wingers, and then you got the Misfit line for your second line. So if you're adding an elite-level talent in Eichel that's $10 million, you're going to have to cut corners somewhere. And I I don't see it being anyone else besides Dodonov except that won't even do it for you. Cause I said earlier, it's like eight ish million. They're going to have to find somewhere else. Laura Brassois, we just talked about him. He makes 2 million. Braden McNabb makes a little bit over 2 million. He's a pending UFA. Will Carrier, Matias Yanmark, as I mentioned. And then, yeah, then you get into the crazy territory and Riley Smith's name does come up because the golden Knights, uh, this, this will go to the first part of your question. The golden Knights are, are built to win. And, they, and that's something like, yes, Golden Knights fans are excited for Jack Eichel, but at the same time, they're like, oh, this is just the new toy that Kelly McCrimmon and uh, 
that they're putting to like, you know, try and win the Stanley Cup. Because think about it, this has happened before. Mark Stone coming in, Max Pacioretty coming in, Alex Petrangelo coming in. And, you know, as a result of that, they've exiled players for cap space, for picks, Nick Suzuki, uh, Cody Glass, Marc-Andre Fleury, Ryan Reeves even was a cap dump. So if this doesn't work out this year with Eichel, what happens? Who who goes? Who, like, do they exile? The identity of the Golden Knights on year one was to be, like, the misfit team. They were not supposed to be good. They were supposed to be what the Seattle Kraken are right now. Not very good. They do not have any star players, but they embrace that mentality, and they have, they got lucky with, you know, with some of their picks and also some of the idiotic moves that the Florida Panthers did. And they got guys like Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall and they went on to the Stanley cup final. Yeah. And that was mostly because they embraced that misfit, you know, like underdog. Yeah. But how long do you go and how many pieces do you trade before it's no longer that same identity? If you trade a William Carlson or a Jonathan Marshall or Riley Smith, is it even the golden Knights anymore? Yes, it is. But still like, is the identity still there? It, it's kind of a sketchy situation to get into because on paper, again, you look at the Golden Knights, they are a Stanley Cup contending team. But if they don't do it, what yeah. happens? You got to blow it up. What happens? Well, you like yeah. you even mentioned too, and Brendan, I'll get to your, let you talk in a second, is you know, they got to the Stanley Cup finals. But with all the moves they've made, they've actually finished. You know, They've never gotten back to that. All the mm-hmm. moves they made, they thought were making their team better. And hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. But since reaching that peak and setting that high standard in year one, they've never gotten back to that. They've, quote-unquote, finished finished worse. So, yeah, like you said, how long does this keep on going until they actually win? Because if they can't win with Eichel, with the team they have currently, and, again, you don't want to disrupt the chemistry with Eichel coming in and having to trade a piece out, like a Riley Smith. But, I mean, if they don't win with Jack Eichel, one of the, the best players in the league when healthy, there's got to be big moves made, big decisions made. Yeah, the pressure is on, and it's – it's a unique situation because usually when we talk about like pressure with winning Stanley Cups, it's it's kind of defined with one player. Like when is McDavid going to get his cup? When is Matthews or McKinnon going to get their cups? The Golden Knights, it's kind of when are all of these star players going to get their cups? And they even have players on the team that have cups. Chandler Stevenson has a cup. Alex Petrangelo has a cup. And, and you know, but it's still the, the, the pressure is still on. And I, I – find it funny george mcphee said um when the golden knights were unveiled yeah in about four to five years i want to see this team as a stanley cup contender here we golden are knights are in year five right now yep so well i don't think he meant year one when he, he said <laughs> yeah that. He year one. it was all part of his plan yeah the master yeah. plan and they would go from the misfits to the star-studded golden knights i mean that that's kind of what it is right now that roster, golden golden knights yeah the, yeah i mean well as much as you have the identity of the misfits I mean, anytime you get the chance to add Pacioretty, Stones, and Eichels to your lineup, you can't really pass it up like they did. And uh, I, I, the only thing that scares me is that you know how good the East is already with the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions in Tampa Bay, and you know whoever comes out of the East ultimately is going to pose a challenge for anybody. But then you also have the Avalanche, who over the last you know ten games before they got paused look as good as they have in the last two seasons, and they seem to always meet you know, before that Western Conference final, which means one really good team is going to be eliminated. But just based on what I've seen overall from the Rangers game and the Islanders game, Vegas full package, they look legit right now. 
Yeah, and the Avalanche are mad at the uh, <laughs> at the Golden Knights after last season. That was their year, is you know what they viewed it as, and that's going to be a, a, a tough series if it comes down to it. And again, you just never know in the NHL. Like the hypocrisy is always there. The Ducks could upset them in the first round for Christ's sake. Like you never know. Yeah. That's why. Um, that's why we love this sport. And exactly. it's the worst team. This it's is not. Why, you know, it's not yeah. the NBA where the best players just go on and win. One player. One player can yeah, dictate the result. It's, it's, it's the best. And Maybe. it's fun to cover. It's fun to watch. And, yeah. Owen, thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. And we'll definitely talk to you again in the future. Absolutely. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So yeah, so obviously the biggest storyline was the Robin Leonard coming back to Long Island for the first time since leaving. Again, the Islanders played Vegas early in the year, but this was the first time he was back in the place that really embraced him for who he was. So I have a, I have a crazy story. It's not a happy story, but it's definitely something that people could learn from. When Robin Leonard was playing well, and I'm pretty sure it was definitely when he was on the island, there were a lot of talks about, does he deserve a long-term contract extension? Should he get a contract extension? And I wrote a piece with the site. I'm not going to name it. We'll keep everything out of it. But I wrote a piece, and I do not for a second, never did I think I was wrong. I wrote a piece that said, Leonard deserves a contract. Because of his mental health, he's not going to get it. Now, in the article, it should never have been published. I use words that to describe mental health that you know make it a very negative thing. And It was just, I didn't know, I wasn't educated enough about the terminology, about what people with mental health go through. I don't have mental health issues that I know of, I know, but it affects a lot of people. And and I might have used words that you would describe as insensitive. Again, not in, not my, like, not, it is my fault. I wasn't educated enough. I shouldn't have written it, but I there was no intention. I didn't think what no. I was saying was hurtful. And it turned out it was. So the article goes out. And again, if you read the article, it said Leonard deserves a long-term deal, but the mental health aspect is something that general managers and ownerships don't want to take a risk on. Again, I think you would agree, Brennan. That is, that's how sports work. Why it's like a player that has injury risks. You're not signing a player that has injury risks to a 10 year deal worth a hundred million dollars because there's an injury risk. There's a, there's a liability thing there where you don't know what could happen. You can't do that. So I think I was right in that regard. It's the same way people keep hiring the same coaches despite everything, because you don't want to take a risk on something new or somebody that might have some type of issue. So what you were trying to say was not that his mental illness is a problem. It's that it would be viewed by others as. And Correct. that was where the misconception. Correct. So a company, again, not going to name names on social media, decided to screenshot 
the worst wording part of my again this is all i'm blaming my editor fully this story should never have gone out um i I take again i take a lot of the blame as well the way i wrote it wasn't correct but it never should have gone out they took a screenshot of a couple of sentences of my story and i think the words i used was the black cloud hovering over him is the reason he's not going to get a long-term deal whatever you know terrible not good definitely learning experience it went viral on social media. I think you texted me. Yeah, mm-hmm. you woke me up or called me and said, did you see? Well, it got to the point where Robin Leonard quote tweeted their tweet and said, the narrative never changes. I'm done with this stuff. Now, again, I had no idea what was going on. To me, I wrote a story that I believed in and everything was right. And I didn't know. Again, I was uh, naive. I didn't understand. Getting de- DMs with death threats. I hope your family dies. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Okay, uh, whatever. It wasn't fun. And then I said to my editor, I said, listen, I need, first off, this could have ended my career as a writer. I could have been blacklisted. Um, I said, listen, I got to make an apology. So I wrote an apology letter to Robin Leonard. And I said, I just want to let you know, you know, I apologize. I said, my wording was, was poor. This is what I meant by the story, and I really hope you can forgive me. I meant that people don't understand the stigma that comes with mental health, that it's something that can be overcome, and just the way sports work. You know, I was completely honest with what had happened. And Leonard, I think Leonard quote tweeted it and said something nice, and he also DM'd me. And I was not ready for this. He said, listen, I really do appreciate your apology letter. You're a good writer. You're a good person. It takes a lot of courage for you to write what you did. So thank you. And I had a little bit of conversation with letter in the DMS. And honestly, I owe him everything where I am right now. And because he gave me a chance, he gave me a second chance at this stuff. And yeah, I took, I kept getting backlash and heat again. If you had read the story, I wouldn't have gotten it, but it was the snippet and, you know, pushing a narrative that I wasn't pushing. And when you take things out of context, we've seen it, especially in politics and everything like that, that that's the biggest enemy. You know, taking things out of context. So he really changed my life. And I I mean, he's not going to hear this, but, you know, Leonard is a big reason why I'm still able to do what I what I love today, because he was willing to give me a second chance. And I think that's important that we understand the stigma with mental health. And we pay attention to the message that Leonard is pushing every day. You might not agree with everything Leonard says. He's a very outspoken person. But at the same time, you got we got to start pushing more of a narrative about mental health and being aware because it's not something that's going to go away. People that have mental health issues, it's something that could come up. And I think we have to be there and support people that go through that and be as vocal as possible to spread the word around the league and around society that, you know, this stigma about mental health and what it does is wrong. These are people, these are human and Leonard really showed that with this time on the Island. Yeah. And and your integrity to write the apology piece as well as his willingness to not just, you know, immediately, dislike you or, or listen to what you have to say, I should say is, is something that shows definitely growth. went a long way. It, does. it shows growth for everything. And because of all that, we've now led up to this moment. So I want to congratulate you on the show. Cause you know, now I'm all of a sudden I'm the co-host with this, some big wig over here. Mr. Stefan Rosner is now the editor in chief over at New York Islanders hockey now. So congrats on that buddy. Atta boy. Thank you. Thank you. Still waiting to find out about the credentials, but if so, I mean, this is, this is what we've been working for. And, um, I want to thank you. Obviously, you've pushed me. You've helped me. You've done a lot for me. And I'm really happy that you're part of this journey with me. 
Oh, thank you, man. Well, I don't take any credit for what you do. You do yourself. Like you're you're talented, but at the same <clears throat> time, if if you get credentialed, you better say, "Hey, uh, I want to come on the back check podcast." You know. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, yeah, guys, check out nyhockeynow.com. I've been writing there for a couple of, couple of years. Got to credit my former uh, editor-in-chief and Christian Arnold, who's now working over covering the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he's given me the chance after chance to write with him and grow as a writer and thank the National Hockey Now Network because really this is this is a dream come true, and hopefully I can help bring the best coverage I possibly can for Islander fans. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.